Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. Forty Sundays to Freedom. We've made it. I can't believe it. Nine months we've been in this series. A lot can happen in nine months. It actually has. In fact, our nation has changed. You know, what I know in the Word of God that God blesses countries, cities, states, churches, families, and individuals that lift up the name of Jesus Christ and live righteously, amen? In fact, the word of God says, righteousness exalts a nation. And folks, this nation has left righteousness altogether. We need to pray for our country, amen? Absolutely. On your handout today, this, this final week, there is one thing I believe that we were trying to attain these nine months, and that's to become righteous in Christ. And I put a few verses about righteousness in here. You can read it on your handout, but Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, what's this portion of Scripture called? The Beatitudes, right. And it's really how we should be living. I encourage you uh, to look at the Beatitudes this week, Matthew chapter 5, but it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Folks, if there's one pursuit that we need to have as born-again believers, it's pursuing holiness, pursuing the righteousness of God. Now, we know if you've studied theology that there is a thing called what? Imputed righteousness. What does that mean? That, man, when we have faith in Jesus Christ... He imputes within us his righteousness. We become the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we begin to live rightly. By the way, how'd you like the rain this week? Did you like it? Some? Love it? Hell. <laughs> yeah, oh, my goodness. Hell? What do you mean hell? No, it did snow on Saddleback. But I found an interesting statistic. Guess how much one cumulus cloud weighs? Have you ever thought about it? It's a lot. It's a lot. 1.1 million pounds, over 500 tons, one cumulus cloud. That's pretty amazing, right? But God makes them float. And I won't get into the science, but I thought that was kind of interesting, that stat. What are the three things God told us we need to be and do in 2021? We need to have what? Zeal humility, and faith. Remember, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble, and humility is strength under control. Folks, we need to rise up and be vocal about the things of God and the uh, judgments and actions this president is taking against the word of God. We need to rise up and be vocal about that. That's what this nation, but we need to do it with zeal and humility. So this final Sunday of our 40 Sundays to Freedom, we're going to talk about righteousness. And I really believe that it is all about right living or rightness. 
Righteousness is one of those qualities that a lot of people really don't understand what it means. In the word study lexicon, it means this, quote unquote, in both the Old Testament and New Testament, righteousness is the state commanded by God and standing the test of his judgment. It is conformity to all that he has commanded or appoints. Since God himself is the standard of believers, the righteousness of God means the righteousness which belongs to God or to oneself from God or a God-like righteousness. The root of the word righteous literally means justice. And the idea of righteousness is this, right living, and it's an implied uh, application to our lives. If you are living rightly, God will bless you. If you are living wrongly, you are unrighteous and you're declared guilty already. So we could sum up righteousness with living the way God wants us to live. So the question is, we've had nine months to get on the narrow path to begin to really put Christ at the center of our families, the center of our friendships, the center of our business, the center of this church. And folks, I pray that we have achieved to the point that now we are imputed with the Lord's righteousness. It's the same word in Acts chapter 10, verse 34. You can turn there if you want, if you have your Bibles. We're just going to read one verse, but it's really interesting that in Acts chapter 10, starting at verse 34, Peter said this, opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. I want you to consider the significance of this statement. You see, John 3.16 makes it abundantly clear, for God so loved who? The cosmos, everyone in the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life that's the pure gospel of jesus christ the simple gospel so we look at acts chapter 10 verse 34 and peter said i most certainly understand that god is not one to show partiality but in every nation note this the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word right there is the word righteous. So what God is saying, everyone in every nation around the whole world, God doesn't show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears God and does what is righteous is welcome to the Lord. You know, I believe righteousness is something we should all be pursuing all the time. It's really interesting. When Christ was baptized, who remembers the story? You can turn there if you want. It's in Matthew chapter 3, starting at verse 13. And Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, and he came up to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist tried to prevent him from being baptized. In fact, in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 3, he said, I have need to be baptized by you, and you come to me to be baptized? And notice what Jesus said. This is very interesting regarding righteousness. 
But Jesus answering said to him, permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us, note this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him to be baptized. And we know Christ was baptized, the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit descended him like, on him like a dove, and God the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, after he was baptized. Jesus had to be baptized because he was still under all the laws of the Old Covenant. So then the question is, who did they baptize in the Old Covenant? Gentile converts, when they became proselytes and became God-fearers, they would baptize them. And it's very interesting because Jesus represented the Gentiles and the Jews when he died on the cross. Righteousness imputed by Christ through faith alone in Christ is fulfilling the law as Jesus did. So in the old covenant, he had to do that to fulfill the law thus fulfilling all righteousness. Remember, the root word of righteous is what? Justice. And God is a just God, and so demands obedience to his commands. So Christ had to do that. Righteousness is revealed in the gospel. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. And who could we say the Greeks are? The whole world, everybody that's non-Jewish, not just Jews and Greeks themselves. Verse 17, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Right living, right thinking will result in righteousness. Romans chapter 5 verse 17. It says, for it is by the transgression of the one that death reigned through the one, speaking of Adam. But much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Verse 18. So then, as through the one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men, even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted in justification of life to all men. Whoever would believe, whoever would receive. Verse 19, for as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. I don't want you con to confuse pursuing holiness and pursuing the righteousness of God with legalism. Legalism says you must do this in order to be saved. True righteousness and pursuing holiness says you are saved through faith alone and God through his Holy Spirit now is giving you the ability and the will both to work and to do his good pleasure. Amen? So no longer are you striving in your flesh trying to please God and failing miserably. 
Folks, when we fall or fail, you parents with little kids, little children, you know when they fall, you pick them up. You, you nestle them in your arms and say, it's all right, keep going. You're going to be all right. So we fall into sin. We don't practice sin. In the new covenant, righteousness. Well, turn to Romans chapter 3, verse 21. And we'll read a few verses there. We'll camp on this text for a minute. Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 21. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for as there, there is no distinction. Okay, I want you to note this. Righteousness starts with a simple faith in Jesus Christ. It is not doing all these works and a self-righteousness that many believers have. You ever met one? When you, when you meet them, here's, here's how they, our conversation goes. I might say, how's your walk with the Lord? Do you ever ask people that? Hey, how's your faith journey? How's your faith? How, how you doing in your relationship with Jesus Christ? And immediately, the self-righteous begin to tell me all the things they are doing. Well, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't dance, I don't chew, and I don't go with girls who do. Isn't that what they used to say? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Who's heard that before? Okay, that's old, old gospel, but you know, all, all these churches. Folks, those that are born again say, man, it's good. I am so glad God's mercies are new every morning. And, man, I'm trying. I fail, but I am trying to please God, and he always surrounds me in his love and gives me his peace in the midst. And it's admitting that though you fail, you trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross. You know, it's like the Pharisee and the tax collector. Who remembers the parable Jesus taught? They both go into the temple. And that tax collector was on his knees crying, saying, Lord, forgive me, a sinner. And the Pharisee was like, thank God I'm not like that tax collector, publican over there. Oh, I tithe 10% of everything. I fast two days a week. I do this. I do that. Self-righteousness. And what did Jesus say? Who was the real righteous one there? The tax collector who was a desperate sinner who confessed his sin to a loving God. You know, in Hebrews, we're told quite clearly, we don't have a high priest that can't understand what we go through, but he was tempted in all things, just as we are yet without sin. Therefore, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can approach the throne of, of grace confidently. No matter how we fail God, Christ paid for your sin on the cross. Righteousness is not sinlessness, but it's pursuing holiness, even though we never quite make the mark completely. I don't think I've ever met a completely holy person. Some people tell me the Dalai Lama was, but <laughs> that was definitely self-righteousness at best. Romans chapter 3, verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified, verse 24 
as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Continue to verse 25, Romans chapter 3. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith, meaning a payment for all of our sins. Because why? Righteousness implies a just God. God's justice must be fulfilled. Old covenant, temple sacrifice, Levitical laws. New covenant, the finished work of Christ on the cross who paid for all sins, past, present, and future by the one act of righteousness. We already read it. This was the dem to demonstrate his righteousness. Still in Romans chapter 3, verse 25b. Because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Where then is the boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, by a law of faith. I caution you. When you, when you begin to boast about how awesome of a believer you are and how righteous you are, that is pride. And what's one of our words for this year? Humility, strength under control. It is demonstrating the power of God and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ with strength, but with humility as well. We need to be known by love, not by anything else. Verse 28, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. We need to really remind ourselves that. It is so easy, and so many faiths and so many religions around the world, you are in their mind righteous because you do these certain acts. We are the only faith in the world. We are righteous because we simply receive the free gift of grace through faith. How would we define righteousness? It's always been about faith. In fact, we read in Romans chapter 1 verse 4 about Abraham. Gosh, don't you love it when New Testament theology and New Covenant ideology is in the Old Covenant? Even before the law came, God never really wanted that. He wanted people to believe and have faith in him. What did we read uh, in Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 10? I now know that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears God and does what is right, the word righteous in the Greek, is welcome to him. Even as Abraham, Romans chapter 4, verse 1, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned unto credit it to his account to him as righteousness. New Covenant theology from the beginning, as God is going to raise up a people to really be his priests and priestesses to the Gentile world. That's why he chose uh, Israel. 
Abraham's descendants, that part of Abraham's descendants. We know <laughs> the other one's not so. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it's repeated. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. We know the armor of God. We went over that a few weeks ago. Our breastplate is what? Righteousness. Hey, it protects our heart, the seat of our emotions, who we are as a thinking individual, our thoughts, our minds, our vital organs. And note this, what the Bible says about it. Ephesians 6, 13, we know this one. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you will be able to stand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having gird your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. I love it because we know righteousness in the new covenant is simply faith and love. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, it says, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So righteousness here is defined for us very clearly in New Covenant theology, and it is simply faith and love. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, a new command I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. And then he went so far as to say, even love your enemies. How do you love them? Correct them. For those that are in false doctrine, we have to correct. That's the loving thing to do. Amen? But we do it in humility and love. What is unrighteousness? So if, if righteousness in New Covenant theology, we could sum up faith and love. That's it. If you're loving God first, pursuing him with all your heart, Loving your neighbor as yourself, loving the bride of Christ as Christ loves you, and you men loving your bride as Jesus loved you. And brides, I think the command is for you to love your husband even as Christ loves you as well. But what is unrighteousness then? In 1 John chapter 5, verse 17, it says, All unrighteousness is sin. So anything that misses the mark of pure holiness is unrighteousness. So sin is missing the mark of being perfect and holy. We all miss it all day long, you know, but at least we're aiming for it. Those of you that like to target practice or maybe shoot bows and arrows or play darts, you know, we're, we're aiming for the bullseye, pure holiness, but we miss. That, you're in good standing with God. And it's like, oh, Lord, I missed again. And guess what he does? Hey, I paid for that. Come on. Come on up, son. Come on up, daughter. I love you. It's okay. I paid for that. You know, don't get wrapped up in legalism and self-righteousness. All unrighteousness is sin. Luke chapter 18 is really where we talked about the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. You can read it later uh, for yourself because we already went over it. Righteousness starts with the church. I want to ask you a question. I witness to a lot of people. And inevitably, 
One of the biggest reasons they will not come to church, they say what? The church is filled with what? Hypocrites. And what do we find out hypocrites mean? Actor. Yeah, we covered it a few weeks ago. It means to be an actor. So literally everyone in, on television right now in the movies, uh, in the Greek, they would be called hypocrites, meaning they're acting like this, but that's not who they really are. It's unfortunate that the world looks at the church and says it's full of hypocrites because it ought not to be that way. You see, if you're real, then you're saying, yeah, I'm a born-again believer. I love Jesus, and I'm pursuing holiness, but I fail miserably. But what? His mercy is new every morning. Jesus paid for that on the cross. Being real is admitting when you make a mistake. But so often the church is filled with self-righteous that act one way in church, and they're totally something else the rest of the week. Now, those are hypocrites, and we ought not to have hypocrites in church. In fact, righteousness starts with the ecclesia, the church. Turn, if you would, to uh, Matthew chapter 18. We all know this, but let's remind ourselves. Matthew chapter 18, starting at verse 15. It says, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. Now, what if the church actually did that? You know, you know a brother or sister is practicing sin. They're not pursuing the righteousness of God. They're not pursuing holiness. They are living a lifestyle that God is like grieved because they're practicing sin. Hey, if you see that, what we're commanded, go to that brother and tell him about his sin in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, note this, take one or two witnesses with you so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses, and note this, Jesus used the word church before there even was a church. Jesus hadn't even died yet. He didn't say synagogue here meaning the synagogue, the gathering of the Jews, he said the ecclesia, the church. Interesting. Some people would say, well, that was written to the Jews. Jesus wasn't talking about New Covenant theology here. This is written to the church, folks, the ecclesia. Christ coined the word. And by the way, ecclesia is the assembly of free men and women like a, a, a governing body that in Rome, all the cities would have the church, the ecclesia, the assembly. Today, it would be compared like uh, the Senate or the House. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the ecclesia. And if he refuses to listen to the ecclesia, note this, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector, meaning... Don't even eat with such a one. Paul tells us that later in Corinthians. What if the church really practiced that? What if the church was filled with born-again believers that pursued the righteousness of God, the holiness of the Lord, and yet they fell and fall daily, they get up and still aim for holiness? 
and still aim to be pleasing to the Lord. What is the promise? Seek first the kingdom of heaven and what? His righteousness and all your needs will be met. You know, pastor, I just, I don't get it. I pray and God doesn't answer my prayers and we're barely paying our bills and everything's falling apart. I just, I don't get it. Are you seeking first the righteousness of God? All your needs will be met. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Peter said, For Christ also died for sins once and for all. The just, the word there is righteous, and the unjust, the word there is unrighteous. Note this, Christ died for, this, for sins once and for all. The righteous for the unrighteous, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Man, I love it, folks. Christianity is the best religion in the world. In fact, it's the only true religion. It has completed Judaism. Everything out, everyone and every religious practice outside of the clean and pure gospel of Jesus Christ is false. Even the legalist within the church, that's a false religion. They're not really seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But we know this. Many churches today have become bastions of easy believism. You see, what they say is, hey, you have faith in Christ, great. Man, get baptized, now you're sealed, you're good, man. You're going to go to heaven. So just live your life however you want to live it. You don't have to pursue righteousness. You don't have to pursue holiness. I, I, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be, note this, mastered by anything. I have one master, and that's Jesus Christ. I bow to no thing or no one but God himself. You see, if you are mastered and practicing something that God hates, how can he bless you? He cannot. How can he work in your life? How can he answer your prayers when you're not pursuing him first? He cannot. You know, it's so amazing that even a husband who doesn't honor his wife like a fellow heir of the saints, his prayers, the Bible says, will be hindered or blocked. Okay, so let me ask you this. You want to be a powerful man or woman of prayer? And by the way, that's reciprocated. Women, you need to honor your husband, and otherwise your prayers are going to be blocked. So many Christians, why does God never answer my prayers? Why do I face trial after trial? It could be spiritual battle. Make no mistake about it. There are mighty men and women of God that get cancer. Our brother Mark, who got the coronavirus and is now home with the Lord, he didn't deserve that. We live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world where it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. So there is spiritual battle, and we do face trials in this life. In fact, Jesus said, in this world you'll have tribulation. But take courage, I've overcome the world. By the way, all you kids are doing great back there. 
<laughs> God bless you. Paul said I wouldn't be mastered by anything. Folks, this morning we need to get real, right? So if you're not a hypocrite, you're going to be real. Meaning you're not acting like a Christian, it's who you are. You don't just put it on for Sunday and then live like the world the rest of the week. You become transformed by the renewing of your mind. Note this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Jesus said this, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I want you to remember the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, who was declared just and righteous. The tax collector was an evil sinner who repented. And the Pharisee, I tithe, I do this, I fast twice a week. Oh no, he wasn't. He was not. Jesus goes on to clarify some of the Ten Commandments after that for the New Covenant. And it says in verse 21, You've heard it say, Thou shalt not commit murder. But what does Jesus say? Man, if you hate, you've already committed murder in your heart. And you'll be judged by that. Folks, we are all guilty. And we need the forgiveness of a graceful and merciful God. We need the blood of Christ daily to cleanse us from our sins. In 1 John chapter 3, we're about to finish here. We've got five minutes. Starting at verse 7, it says, Little children, make sure that no one deceives you. For the one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. And the one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil is sin from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. The key operative word there is practices or says, regardless of what your word says, I know this is displeasing to you, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pursue that rather than your righteousness. Can you still be saved and do that? I believe so. You're saved simply by faith. Jesus even paid for that. But folks, you can't be blessed. You can't experience everything that God has for you unless you're pursuing righteousness. So this 40th Sunday, nine months since we started this 40 Sundays to freedom, the freedom that we want to experience is the freedom to pursue holiness and righteousness and the freedom from the sins that so easily entangle us and entrap us. Man, God has so much for you and your family in 2021. Pursue righteousness so his blessings can come. Amen. Worship team, come on up. If there's anything in your life that is coming between you and that pursuit of holiness, that pursuit of righteousness, I can assure you the minute you repent and pursue righteousness, times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord in your heart. The anxiety, the worry, the fear, whatever you're dealing with will be dispelled and put away by strength, love, peace, and joy. 
In fact, in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, it says, Therefore repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Is our worship team gone? <laughs> oh, all right, now I get to tell jokes. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, though, for sure, balloons belong in church. And God wants us to be a celebrant people. Do you know that? There they are. Amen. Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 7, it says, I tell you that in the same way, there is a party in heaven. This is in the Bible. There is a party in heaven when one sinner repents. You know, Jesus said, well, really, in another parable, Luke chapter 15, verse 10, that the same parable, in the same way I tell you there is joy in the presence of the angels when one sinner repents rather than the 99 righteous people that have no need of repentance. So if you're far from God this morning, I want to tell you this. Come back to the Lord. Pursue holiness. Pursue His righteousness. And you will find heavens open and the blessings of God poured back into your life. And the peace of God that transcends understanding. And the strength of God that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And restores my soul, satisfies my Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve Him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week. I love